A thing we do on a regular basis to remind ourselves, I, I love the, the, the title of the series because it's pretty simple. Like, uh, sometimes we try and get cute about what the series is about. or like, this, that's really creative. This series is all about getting you to just read your Bible, right? And so uh, uh, we've talked about several different ways that you can kind of approach that. And our advice is just find one that works for you and stick to it because the whole point is just getting in the Word. But this year we've talked uh, a, a lot about um, a method that's called SOAP. Okay, SOAP, Scripture, it's an acronym, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. We've actually got some journals still out at the info bar. If you didn't get to pick one of those up uh, in the weeks previous, we've got journals out there that help you kind of walk through that process. Not just for this series, uh, because we've got a reading plan that you can follow through uh, for the book of Mark that we've gone through with this series as well, but that you can just use going forward as a template for your time with God, for your time in the Word. So this morning, I want to continue that thought by going through um, uh, this next passage that we're, or this next parable we're going to talk about, through the context of soap, we're going to look at the scripture together. We're going to take a moment and think about the observations. What are the things that are standing out to you? And in my opinion, the observation piece is all about asking the Holy Spirit to just open your eyes up. What am I seeing? What are you calling me to see? Because there's a million things we could take away from different passages. But what are you calling me to see this morning? And uh, then we have application. Again, same kind of idea. Okay, God, what would you have me apply from the scripture into my life so that it might help me change and grow and become more and more like you? And then finally, prayer. So I want to help you walk through this passage just the way that I did when I went through this passage and use soap to kind of break it all down. That sound good? Okay. First, S, which is scripture. And we're, today we're taking a look at the parable of the farmer sowing seed. Okay, or scattering seed. You might have heard this uh, kind of growing up. There's some variations on it, um, and there's some similar ones where, like, you're talking, like Shin talked the other week about the mustard seed. Y'all remember that? You were here a couple weeks ago. So, seed is kind of an important idea that Jesus likes to put in his imagery, and there is like this poetic language, this metaphor that he likes to use in different parts in different parables. But this parable is about the farmer scattering the different seed. And we're going to be looking in Mark. This is chapter 4, the very beginning of chapter 4, from verse 1 all the way through verse 20. So I wanted to start. Let's just read it. Let's read it together and start processing what God might be telling us. So in this first pass, I want you just to kind of be thinking about what are the things that are standing out to you, bringing forth to your mind. So let's start in verse 1. This is chapter 4 of Mark. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. And so he got into a boat. Makes sense. Uh, then he sat in the boat a while uh, with all the people remained on the shore. Continues verse 2. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell in shallow soil with the underlying rock. The seed sprouted, but quickly because the soil, uh, or sorry, the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, continues on. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, this is Jesus talking. So he continues on. He says, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples, 
with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. They're like, hey, look, that was a cool story, but like, what do you mean by that? Right? That's kind of what they're, they're coming back into. And then he says this. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And then he quotes scripture here saying, when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. Uh, when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. And then he continues on being merciful, and he then walks through the explanation of that parable. He says, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the means of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? So there's something foundational about this parable, about this idea. And he continues on saying, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't, have to take, or since they don't take deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Continues on, it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And he closes by saying this, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Interesting. So what stand out to me first and foremost among all this is that, kind of moving to our observations, is that the, the things that really stood out to me were those four different kinds of soil. Because like, yeah, it's about the farmer scattering the seed, right? Like that's kind of the whole presentation of this. But really it kind of hones in what, he, what Jesus is focusing in on are those four different types of soil. Not if you're with me, right? You heard him talk about that. So if I had to put, I, and, and kind of reading through studies and other people's thoughts on this, there's lots of, of different words for the four different kinds of soils. I don't think it's important what you call them. It's just the four different ideas. So in that, here's kind of what I came to for just a way for us to get our brains around it. Here are the four types of soil. I would say there's hard soil, that first one, where it just kind of bounced off and nothing happened. The shallow soil where it sprouted quickly, but nothing came of it because the, the roots were not anything significant, right? Then you've got the crowded soil, where it gets kind of crowded out by the things that are happening around it and actually can't produce fruit. And then you have the fruitful soil. And so I think it'd be helpful for us to walk through each one of those. But even before that, think about Jesus' explanation as a whole for the metaphor, because he's taking this picture. A metaphor is just a word picture, right? He's just taking these words and painting a picture so that it might be easier for us to understand. And I think those of you with kids or grandkids around get this. Sometimes it's easier to explain things to people when it's done in a story. You with me? Like it's easier to help understand what you're getting across rather than, I'm, I'm really bad about this. Like, I try and talk. I over-explain things to my kids. You know what I mean? Now, listen, the reason you want to do this is not, and they're not hearing anything that I'm saying. But if I were able, or anyone's able, a parent, a grandparent, whatever, were able to take this and kind of explain it to them in a parable or in a, in a word story, a metaphor, I think it sinks in a little bit more. And so Jesus explained his metaphor to them, saying, basically, the seed in this story, the seed that the, the farmer's scattering out, is God's word, okay? And I'm, I'm going to take this and, and expand on that idea in a little bit, but to start with, let's just assume that the seed is God's word. Then we have the soil, right? The four different kinds of soil, which is us or our hearts, right? 
It's basically like our, the condition of our souls, right? How we are able to receive that seed, because the seed comes to us like it is, right? So let's, let's walk through each of those four different kinds of soil, because Jesus conveniently kind of organizes it for us so we can see what his breakdown of each one is, because it's not so much as what happens when the seed goes, it's, it's the soil's response to that seed. You see that? Let's look at hard soil. That's the first one. And in verse 15, it says this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, right? They, they receive the seed only to have Satan to come up at once and take it away. Almost like if you remember back to the beginning of the parable, there's an, an, an image of a bird coming down and scooping up that seed right away, right? He tosses out the seed and on the hard soil, it just kind of bounces. It's not received and the seed's taken away immediately, and it says a lot about that soil. That soil is not receptive. That soil is not like in a condition to receive that seed. Does that make sense? So that's the hard soil. That's the definition of a hard soil. Is it's it's not receiving. It's it's very unreceptive to what's being brought to it. No matter what kind. Of, it could have been the most fertile and like well-conditioned seed in the world. But if that soil is compacted and hard and not ready to receive, y'all with me? You see the picture we're painting here? That's the hard soil. Let's look at the next one. The next one's the, the shallow soil. This is where the next two we're going to step on some toes. So the verse 16 says this, the seed on the rocky soil or the shallow soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it from joy. Anybody been to like a youth camp when you were growing up, right? Y'all with me? Like to where you, you have that, mo- there's a moment and, and, and I'm not blaming, in my opinion, I'm not blaming the kids who go to those camps or the people who are around that or who, who are creating this, but they're I would say one of the ways we, being Christianity, I believe one of the ways we failed, um, not just our kids, but our, our culture at large, is we've been too focused on creating moments rather than creating lasting change in someone's life. Do you see the difference? And a lot of times we can create a moment where someone feels something. You hear me? And the feeling is not a bad thing, but the feelings can lie to us, right? And if all it is is a feeling... Like we don't allow that to travel from our, our brain where we're hearing it to our heart and to our so, the soil in our lives to where we can see change, where we can see fruit. It's just going to be received joyfully immediately like we're seeing here. There's a moment, there's a flash, but then what does it say happens? But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now I want to camp out here for a second because... I don't think it's the soil's fault, necessarily, for not having the deep roots immediately. Because what do roots take? I mean, like, it, okay, this is going to get real for a second. Have any parents had that, like, take-home thing where, like, your, your preschool or your kindergarten sends home the cup with the seed, and, like, it's your job to now keep this alive for the hope of your child? You with me? And, like, you try desperately to keep this on the kitchen sill, and you're just like, please, dear Jesus, don't let this thing die, or let me know where I can go buy a bean sprout and stick that thing in there so my kid can wake up and be like, oh, this is incredible. No, I've never done that. Um, anyways, but you have that moment where it's, it's something that doesn't happen immediately. Like, we've been nursing. My wife has done the most of this because uh, we got a, a little plant set from some grandparents for, like, growing, like, basil and some other stuff, which is cool, but we are terrible at it. And our daughter's just like, come on, we're so excited for this to happen. And we're just like, I think it's dying. I think it's dying every day. It's not working. 
And so you're watching this, but it takes time to cultivate those roots. Not if you're with me. It takes time for those roots to develop. But if that soil is not conditioned, is not in a good place, if it doesn't have the room, if it's shallow, it doesn't have the room for those roots to grow and be like healthy, it's not going to sustain growth. And in fact, as soon as, think of that little uh, uh, bean plant on the kitchen sill, as soon as it encounters problems or persecution for a bean plant, but like the wind, it's not getting the sun it needs, it hasn't had water in three days because life, and um, (laughs) it encounters those things, that seed can't survive in the shallow soil. There's activity at first because something can be, you can sustain something for a little bit on emotion, but it does not uh, facilitate long-term growth. That's where the roots come in. You with me? So that's our shallow soil. We've then got our crowded soil, and I think this is something that hits more people than not, and this is including Christians, because I'm going to take this in a minute and kind of expand this idea of the seed of it being, yes, the initial gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that initial idea, but it also, I think, applies to other areas where maybe God is trying to plant an idea or, or a moment or an, uh, uh, basically like a, a habit of change or an area of growth in your life, right? And sometimes this can, even though we've received the gospel, we've given our life to Jesus Christ and we are followers of him, I think sometimes we can put ourselves in this position because we don't want to see the growth or we don't want to walk through what's coming in the growth. So, this is the crowded soil. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life or the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. That last part's really interesting because it doesn't say, so then the seed dies. You see that? It says, these things get in the way, the worries and the wealth and the other things, yada, yada, so that no fruit is produced. We're going to come back to that idea. But like I said, I think this is an area where we can put ourselves, where we become so focused, right, on, uh, and we mean well. Like we have, we, we've cultivated our soul to a certain point. We've received the seed, the, the word of God, and, and, and the life that comes with that, and the renewal, and the forgiveness, and redemption, and all those things. But then the next thing comes along where he's calling you, okay, well, I want you to be faithful with your money. Or I want you to be faithful with your time. Or with what I've given you. Or whatever it might be. I mean, enter, enter that idea here. I think those seeds come along in life as well. It's not just that initial, but it's these other opportunities as well for us to be faithful and respond to God in those different areas. And I think a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're not intentional about it, if we're not intentional about cultivating our soil this is where we end up to where, yeah, I want to believe God, but uh, I got to make rent. I want to trust God here, but this job thing has got me twisted. I've got to, I've got to, I've just got to work harder. I've just got to do more of this, more of that, whatever it might be. And when we put ourselves in those situations, it doesn't prevent the seed from coming to us. It doesn't prevent us from receiving the seed. What prevents us is producing fruit. You see that? That's the shallow soil. But ultimately, if we get to a healthy place, if we put ourselves in a a place and and cultivate our soil to where we can be in a place where we can see that growth and that change, we end up with fruitful soil. That looks like this in, in verse 20. It says, 
And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, not a lot of us have horticulture experience or have agriculture experience, so it's, it's hard to get this idea in your mind. But I think of the guy, um, we had a guy when I was growing up in the church I grew up in who was really, really faithful in the youth ministry, right? Like he was just always around. And um, uh, he just was really, really invested in helping especially young men grow in their faith. And I think about the impact that guy had over five, 10, 30 years, right, of just time in ministry. And it's less about his accomplishments and more about the fruit that came from his investment in each and every one of those lives. Because each and every one of those lives has the opportunity to be their own soil. Do you see that? He's a gardener of other soils as well as his own. He's, he's responsible for his own soil. But his job is to help cultivate all these others. That was his calling in life. And as a result of that, he's not just producing one other pot of good soil. That soil can then produce many, many others, whether it's in their own family, the people around them, the people they minister to. Do you see that? It's a multiplication effort because it's not just one for one exchange. It could be a one for 30, a one for 60, a one for 100, and that is the kingdom of God. Do you see that? That is the point of a fruitful soil. So I want to continue on here, and it goes to this. Um, I want to say a statement here because the, the, the point of these seeds is not to just have a sprout pop up, right? It's not just the idea of life, but the objective of the seed that's sown is fruit. The objective of the seed is to accomplish fruit. Like if you think of any plant, right? And again, I'm not a biologist. I don't understand this stuff to an nth degree, but I've, I've watched a couple YouTube videos. I know what's up. But like you take these, you take these flowering or these fruitful plants, right? And what do you see in the inside of most of them? Seeds, right? Like an orange, you're going to see seeds. Or unless they're bred to be seedless, which is dumb. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. But you've got these plants that have fruit that have seeds. What's on the outside of strawberries? Seeds. What's on the inside of a cherry? Seeds. You see this? The point of the cherry seed or the strawberry seed or the orange seed is not to go and make another orange plant that doesn't do anything. That would be called a failed orange tree. You with me? The point of the seed is to produce fruit. Now, in our lives, we go back to the original idea here. The idea was that the seed, what Jesus says, the seed is the word of God, right? The seed is the, the gospel, the good news, the life that comes from accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I think it can be expanded, like I said earlier, to these other ideas, right? It's one thing if you receive that initial seed and life sprouts, but if you're not producing fruit as a product of it, you're missing the point. Something's not working, Something in that tree, something in that, that, that life-giving piece is not operating correctly because the point of the seed, the, the reason the seed wants to exist is to provide fruit. You see that? The objective of the seed is fruit. Now, take it a step further. The seeds are the source, right, of the fruit regardless, no matter the quality of the soil. If it's a good seed and it's put in a bad soil and it doesn't grow, that doesn't mean the seed was bad. You see that? It means the soil wasn't prepared to facilitate that growth and that life and that fruit production. 
So we're not evaluating the seed here, because the seed can come from lots of different places, right? You can, you can take seed from bad ideas too, and that can grow into fruit in your life as well. Give me an amen if you've been there. It can turn into a small thing that's, oh, it's just, a, it's just an idea. You know, my needs are more important than her needs. And that seed's planted, and then it grows, and fruit happens. And that's the fruit that you don't want in your life. However, that seed, no matter or regardless of the quality of the soil, that's what's going to be produced. I think it's important for us to understand that it's not just about what the seed is. It's about our responsibility for our own soil. Because your soil, your heart, the condition of your heart, the condition of your soul, is 100% your responsibility. Now, here's a caveat. Things may have happened to you you might have gone through things, you might have walked through things in your life that were not in your control. And that's just a fact. But we are 100% responsible for how we process or choose not to process those things. How we choose to let them affect us or choose to not let them affect us in our lives. Because the things we walk through in life will 100% affect the quality and condition of your soul, your life, your soil. You see that? So with this idea that the seed is meant to produce fruit, that no matter the source of the seed, or sorry, the seed is the source of that fruit no matter what, regardless of how the soil is, and your responsibility is 100% to tend to your own soil, no matter what you've walked through, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced. It's our call, it's our responsibility to manage that soil. So how do we apply this to our lives? Because for some of you, it may be that initial reception of the good news of Jesus Christ. It might be you understanding where your soil is in relation to receiving that seed. But for a lot of us who've been walking with Jesus for maybe a short time, maybe a long time, whatever it may be, I think you need to take a moment to process this idea because we can get very comfortable in thinking, oh yeah, I'm good. I've got, I've, I've received Jesus. Yeah, I'm good. I got my ticket. Good to go, right? We're coming up on Easter and a lot of times people are like, well, got to go back to church, got to get my check mark for the year, Easter, Christmas, boom, boom, right? And a, we, we kind of chuckle about it, but that's the reality for a lot of people because they miss the point. It's not about following a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not about being right so God's not going to smite you and slam you down. It's not about doing the things he's calling you to do so he'll give you good things, Right? It's about cultivating our soil so that when those seeds are sown into our lives, they might be what? Fruitful. So how do we apply this to our lives? I think there's three things I want you to do today for application. First, you've got to assess your own soil. Two, you've got to take responsibility for that. And then three, you've got to cultivate your soil. So the first, assess your soil. I think, again, it, it, it starts with that message, that gospel gift of the good news of Jesus, but it, it extends to those other areas of obedience and discipleship in our lives. Maybe it comes to studying your Bible. Let's just talk about reading your Bible. We're talking about it in the series right now. Maybe you're resistant to that. You're like, ah, I don't have the time. I got stuff going on. I'll do it once a week on Saturday mornings, or I'll once a, once a month on Saturday mornings, or I'll do it when you know that guy that I know asked me about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do it at work between lunch breaks or something like that. Maybe that's where you are. 
Maybe it's God calling you to be faithful with your money, to be a good steward. We were just talking about this a couple weeks ago, that we're called to be stewards of God's resources that he's given to us. And some people take that seed and their soil is ready for it, and it produces fruit. And it's incredible. Others of us have a harder time moving from a hard, compact soil so that that seed of generosity just kind of bounces off. You're like, ah, someone else is going to pick that up. That's not for me. You have to be honest and assess your soil in those different areas of life. What is God calling you to do? What are the steps he's calling you to make that, you, that your soil may not be in a fruitful position? Because hear me, I'm not trying to tell you that, our, that we have to be in a fruitful space at all times. Life happens, man. Life happens. And there's things we walk through I think the, the second part is what's important here is we have to take responsibility for that. If you recognize that your soil is not in a healthy place, it's not in a good place, you're not in a place where you're going to produce fruit when those opportunities, those seeds, those, those urgings from the Holy Spirit come to you. If you're not in a place where you can produce fruit with those, then you've got to take responsibility for that. If you're too busy at work right now or or things are crazy with the kids and, you know, on Saturday, Sunday, it's literally one sports thing to the next sports thing to the next sports thing. We haven't had family dinner in like a week because it's just running our lives. You with me? We have to take responsibility for that. And you either say, I'm okay with that. That's the soil I want to cultivate in our family, in my life, for those around me. Or you decide, that's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to be. And you choose to cultivate the soil to fit the result you want. Because if what you want is fruit and growth and life and change, then you have to create an environment for that to happen. Now, fortunately for us as followers of Jesus, we have someone called the Holy Spirit who is there to help us walk through and help us cultivate. I don't believe it's 100% your responsibility to change the soil, but it is 100% your responsibility to cultivate that soil, to put yourself in an environment and put the things around you and take the right steps so that you might see yourself grow from a hard rock soil that can't receive anything, that can't be penetrated by anything that's of significance to see fruit in your life to help you grow to a place where it can soften, where it can grow, where it can become more and more fertile so that you might see actual fruit in your life. So assess your soil Once you've seen that in those different areas of your life, we've got to take responsibility for it. Then finally, you have to choose to cultivate that soil. And so I thought it would be helpful today to close by taking a look at each of those different soils and having a prayer for you. Having something you can pray, some scripture you can maybe think over, you can process. So when you find yourself where you have that hard soil or that shallow soil, where you got so excited about that idea, but then you burned out really quickly, or maybe you've got that crowded soil where like you mean well, but there's just too much stuff clouding it. How can we use scripture, which God has given us to help us process and be a guide and be a lamppost to our feet as we walk through life? How can we use scripture? to help us move and grow in these different areas of our lives, specifically when it comes to the condition of our soil. So let's start with the the hard soil. With the hard soil, I want you to pray for softening, for a softening of your heart, for a softening of your spirit. In Hebrews 4.12, I think is a really great passage for this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. And if we stop there, that's enough to help us understand why we should read our Bibles 
It's not about a magic trick to where like you read your Bible and my life's better now, right? Or you go and you get that quote that you can put on Facebook and feel really good that you did it that morning, right? It's not about those things. The reason why we look and turn to our word, to the scripture, is because the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. When you have that hard, compact soil, you have to have something to break it up. And that's why God provides the word of God for us to look into it, to look into the scriptures, and to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and guide us so that we might see a softening of our spirits, of our souls, of our soil as we cultivate it. The next one's the shallow soil. For the shallow soil, I want you to pray for maturity, for growth, for change. And this is in Hebrews 12, uh, 12 through, or sorry, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, it says this. You've been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. We've, we've done a series here in the past where we've talked about the stages of growth, where we see growth from an infant all the way to a full-fledged, healthy, mature adult. And what we've got to see here is it's not just about, it's not just about having an opportunity to grow. It's about recognizing where we are. This is part of the take responsibility piece of if you're still drinking a bottle, but you're pretending like you're eating a steak, that's a problem. He continues on and says this, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Maturity is not just a state you achieve. It's not just a place you end up. It's a state of mind. It's an understanding and an ability to use a lens to determine. It's called discernment. That's the fancy church word for it. To discern between right and wrong. And again, we have this counselor, the Holy Spirit, who's there to walk beside us the entire way to help facilitate that growth and that change in our lives. Because what the author here is saying is it's, it's not the baby's fault for having milk. When the baby's having milk, it doesn't know what's right. I've got a five-month-old right now. He doesn't know what's right or wrong. He's just trying to put stuff in his mouth. That's his life, right? <laughs> but when you get to a point where you've matured and grown and become something more than you once were, you now have the responsibility of wearing the fact that you know the difference from right and wrong. My oldest is seven years old right now, and we're really walking with her through you know what's right, but you don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's the burden you wear as you mature in your life. Apply that to your spiritual life of having those sh- that shallow soil. If you recognize that that's your issue of like you get fired up, like there's an opportunity journey to serve and to step up into being a leader in the church and you get excited about it, but then you don't return that phone call or that email or yeah, I got stuff. I got to do things. It's, it's cool. I can't. It's received joyfully. That seed is received joyfully. That seed of leadership, an opportunity to see yourself grow in your life, to build out your gifts and to use your gifts for others. That seed was deposited to you, and you got excited, but those roots didn't have anywhere to go. Do you see that? We want to pray for maturity so we might see fruit in our lives. Next, we've got the, uh, uh, the crowded soil. And for the crowded soil, the point here isn't just about maturity. I think you can pray maturity over any of these things. 
But I think for the, the crowded soil, the most important point is to pray for clarity and perspective. God, give me the ability to see the things I can't see right now. That if I stood a little bit differently, if I changed my position or I changed the way that I'm looking at something, help me to see things more clearly than I do right now. Because in Matthew 6, this is verse 19, it says, don't store up treasures here on earth. And I feel like that, that one idea alone is the core problem for folks who have that crowded soil. They buy into the light. They may not say it explicitly, but what they're doing by focusing on those worries, by putting their worth in how much money they're accumulating or, or how much wealth they're amassing, what they're doing is they're saying, I, that's, that's where my attention, that's where my heart, that's where my focus needs to be. It says, don't store your treasures up in, on earth because where the moths eat them and the rust destroys them and where the thieves break in and steal. No, it continues on and says this. It says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your heart is, sorry, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. If we're focused so much on what we're getting, on the growth and the acclaim and the, the attention and the wealth, the things that can distract us from what God's really calling us to do, we're getting cr- that, that seed of whatever it may be that God's calling you to do in your life is getting crowded out because the other things we're choosing to focus on. We're choosing to put our treasure in things that are going to go away, that are going to be rusted, that are going to destroy, that are ephemeral, that just go away. It's just dust, man. That's what it is. However, what Scripture promises us is we put our treasures in heaven and the things that cannot be destroyed, that cannot go away, that cannot be taken from us, then we understand that where our treasure is, the desires of our heart will also be. So what happens with that is go back to that maturity idea. If our, if our treasure is in the things of heaven and the things of God and the kingdom of God, what happens is we want to be more like Jesus. We grow to be more like him. We see ourselves softening. We see ourselves being more graceful, more faithful people, not because of who we are and our efforts and our ability to to try really, 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 really hard to be better and to be nicer, but because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we see change happening in our lives. Because we have, for those who have crowded soil, we have a better clarity and perspective on what is most important. Now, for those of you who, who assess your soil and you feel like you're in a really good place, like, I feel like, you know, I'm, I, I'm seeing myself grow and I'm seeing, like, when I have these things pop in my life, I'm able to see them, I'm seeing fruit happen, right? The result of those seeds is fruit, which is really awesome and great. Cool. What I want you to pray for is I want you to pray for opportunity. I want you to pray for opportunity. I want you to pray for those seeds to come along. I don't want you to just sit there and have your little basket and hope things fall in. No, man, I want you to open your eyes up to all that God might have for you so that you might gratefully receive those seeds as God's calling you to, so that you might cultivate all the fruit, the 30, the 60, the 100-fold fruit in your life. Colossians 4 says this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That alert mind is really important because sometimes we can coast through life and you may have a fruitful soil, but if you're not thinking about the things that are around you consciously, then you're going to see things just pass you right by. It's like, never mind, I'm not going to, there's a thing that popped in my brain and I said, I'm going to release that and I'm not going to move that. So let's keep going. Pray for us too that God will, will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. In a nutshell, 
God, would you give us the opportunity to be fruitful? Would you give us the opportunity to be fruitful? If you have that fruitful soil, if you have that soil that's ready and grateful and willing to receive those seeds of faith, whether, the, whether it is that initial uh, 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 invitation of Christ into your life, have that fruitful and ready soil for what that might be. Maybe it's those opportunities for growth or for leadership or for change or for challenging you in discipleship areas of, of where you're not trusting God, where you're not giving full control over to God. Would you pray for opportunities? Because if all we're doing is sitting back and just hoping something falls into place, that's a pretty like, passive way to walk through life. And then if you're per, your personality, like, you might be more like that. And that's okay. I'm not saying you're wrong for not like, going out there and just trying to like, catch everything you can. It's about having that alert mind and a pray, prayerful heart. So that as the right opportunities, as those right seeds fall into your soil, you might cultivate them and create a place for them per, to produce fruit. And not just a piece of fruit. But man, if we get this right... This is where we see the church of Christ come alive in not just our nation, but in the world. Because it's about us taking responsibility for our own soils, for creating an environment for those seeds to flourish and to be fruitful. And then in, in receiving those different seeds, whatever they might be, the fruit that's created from them is meant to multiply and to change lives. Because each piece of fruit, each seed that's delivered, whether it's from yourself or from someone else, is meant to be an agent for change and growth and grace and faith and love into the lives of very, very real people. That's why it's important for us to consider the condition of your own soul, not at the point of salvation. Yeah, that's part of it. And God will continue to cultivate and change us and, and grow us to get our soil to a place where we're ready to receive that. But I'm talking about you, followers of Jesus, that we have to continue to cultivate that. And that if we don't, we risk putting ourselves in a place where we have that crowded, hard-packed, shallow soil where things are going to sprout and die immediately, where things are going to get crowded out by the things of life, where they're just going to bounce off the top because we're not mindful enough to consider the implications of not being fruitful. If you think about what Jesus called us to do near the very end of his ministry, it was to go and make disciples that make disciples that make disciples, that make disciples. It's a multiplication effort. And this idea of a seed that's entered into a soil, that's our responsibility to take care of. The fruitfulness is not the job of the seed. It's dependent on the quality of the soil it's delivered to. So I want to challenge you, what's your soil like today? And be honest and take responsibility so that you might become more and more like Jesus. You might be ready for those opportunities, for those seeds that drop into your life. Because the point of the seed is to produce fruit in your life, in your friends' lives, in your family's life for generations to come. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for just the way that you teach. God, I'm grateful that as we look into the scripture, as we look into your word, and as you taught your disciples and those who followed you that you, God, you used methods and you used uh, verbiage that, that created these pictures for us to understand. That it wasn't just a, a textbook class or a list of rules we're expected to follow, 
But God, that you would paint pictures with your words so that we might understand the mysteries of God. And I'm grateful that you, in these cases where you explain your thinking and processing, give us the opportunity to not just process for one time for the reception of, of God, the seed of, of, of the gospel, but God, that you would help us to understand how we are to cultivate and create our lives, that how, how we are to be mindful gardeners of the condition and soil of our lives. God, would you help us to assess where we are? Would you help us to take responsibility without shame or condemnation? But God, that you would allow us to do so so that we might cultivate a soil that's receptive to your opportunities that you bring to us. Opportunities to lead, to be faithful, to be generous. Got to be more graceful. God, would you give us the grace to be more and more like you every day after the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you. We're thankful for your word. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.